This is Onis on Opas, a fan podcast where we talk about our favorite aspects of Korean drama, most especially our favorite K-drama boyfriends, aka Opas. And we are your metaphorical big sisters, aka Onis. I'm Susie. And I am Lynn. Uh, and usually we jump right into the K-drama catch-up, but today we are going to take a moment to give thanks. It's not even the fourth Thursday in November, but we are going to take a moment to express our gratitude. Suze, who did you want to thank? Well, I just, I really wanted to thank everyone who has listened so far. You know, thanks so much for your comments, your, you know, engagement on Instagram with us. It's been real, real fun to talk with y'all to other um, K-Drama podcasts that's been so kind to us and welcoming um, especially, you know, Soul Sisters podcast to help us out even before we launched. Uh, thank you all so much. Finger hearts. Finger hearts. <laughs> and I just want to shout out to. We love you, Nazanori. <laughs> also, shout out to Miss G, our dearest friend, who also have supported us and endured mm. multiple listenings. <laughs> different trailers different ideas and just has been such a great friend thank you so much i want to shout out (laughs) bigger hearts um i would like to shout out my friend drew who has probably never seen a k-drama in his life yet he is listening to this podcast and diligently giving me feedback so Thank you, Drew, for listening just because you're my friend. <laughs> wow. That is a true friend right there, Sue. It really is. So thank you, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so grateful to everybody, uh, especially all the all the K-Drama fans who are following us on Instagram and who respond to our stories and our posts and stuff. We just love getting your feedback and... I'm going to be posting something that uh, I really am going to need your support on. So fighting, I decided. So this gives you like a little bit of insight into our process. When we're recording this, the episode that we did that we recorded a couple months ago about Park Bogum has just come out. And one of the things that uh, I talked about in that episode was how much I loved the subway placement in that in record of youth uh and that really got me wondering if we could construct a comprehensive list of subway placements in korean dramas but the only way that we can possibly do it is crowdsourcing i mean first of all because i've seen it in a lot of dramas and i remember like zero so (laughs) so i'm going to be putting that out this is not going to be a short-term project obviously it's going to be an ongoing project uh but i'm going to be posting it on out on instagram on an ongoing basis because i really want to know i want to have a list Susie. you know i love lists yes, yes so uh thank you in advance or in hindsight to everyone who's sending in your subway sightings and speaking of lists Susie, 
what new things have been added to your list this week in what you are watching? Oh my goodness. So, you know, we're, our recording schedule is not consistent. Um, so yeah, so it's been a while since we recorded. I think the last time we recorded was the boyfriend buffet, wasn't it? Yeah. It's been over a month since it's, we recorded, yeah. and this is actually the first <sighs> recording that we're doing in 2023. Mm-hmm. So there's a few, there's <laughs> a few things yes. that yeah. um, I will mention. I'll try to be quick. You know how I am. I do ramble on. But <laughs> the end of the year for me, to 2022 is just stellar, stellar, just mm. 10 star watching, just everything's so good. So the first thing was Queen's Umbrella. All right, folks. Mm-hmm. If you're not seeing Queen's Umbrella, go do it now. It is so good. Once you yeah. start it, you will not be able to stop. It is the ideal kind of historical, in my mind, where shenanigans do not prevail. <laughs> mm. Or do not prevail much, you know? And I mean... What can I say? It's just like 10 out of 10. There's like nothing wrong with this show. There's, I just can't no even notes. think about any notes that I had about it. It resolves everything that they start, right? Like there's, they don't drop any plot points. Everything is sort of like wrapped up in some kind of bow, which I like. I just thought performance, amazing. Just amazing. Mm. I cannot state how... Just how, her eyebrows. Just her eyebrows need an award, right? Kim Hye-su. Right. I just... She is yeah. a superstar. She is a goddess. She is a yeah. goddess. <laughs> she is yeah. so... Yeah. She's so more than just good. a queen. She is on another level. She is. She is. You know, of course, she is the main titular character in this show. And her character is so nuanced and has so many facets to her and just I mean thank you to the writer who wrote her because I mean just a delight just a delight you know she's not only a mother to her children she's a mother to like all the children in the court you know she just has such generosity to other people but also she is smart and can be cunning when she needs Mm -hmm. to be because you need to be in this court where there are shenanigans Mm -hmm. abound um and i just really just loved her i loved the king who is not useless and clueless (laughs) right and has like a dilemma that you can appreciate right this is what i thought about the whole thing it's Mm. just like it's a circular cycle it's a cycle, so it's circular, uh, <laughs> of the question of succession, right? Like, this is something that we still, like, talk about today with, like, modern monarchies. You're like, oh, do we really need it? You know, this whole thing where something, a title is passed down just because you're the son of whoever, instead of earning a title or being voted mm-hmm. for, you know, that kind of thing. Like, that is a question that, you know, has been around forever and this really addresses that and i think that's a super interesting point um about it Mm -hmm. and also just like who has the right to be on the throne you know after certain things happen i mean you just sympathize with everyone you can understand everyone's motivation 
for doing what they are doing, even the bad guys. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I think that is like so hard to do in writing. Um. So I just also thought that was excellent. So excellent. So everything about this is just, it's so good. There's some like cute noodles. There's some really cute princess. Um. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they like really focus the story. It's a really simple premise what it is and mm-hmm. everyone is sort of like working towards that same premise uh sort of like the same destination so there's not a lot of just like side shenanigans that have nothing to do with the main thing so that's also yeah. nice because it's easy to follow the story um anyway i tried to be brief yeah. i was not successful but <laughs> <Queen's> <laughs> umbrella. go well, watch a- it that's okay because we both watched it, so that can you know largely largely be for both of us. Although I I want to interject that when you were convincing me to watch it, you said something that I thought was really helpful, which was that this show does a great job of taking care of the viewers, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was really the hook that got me in. And as I was watching it, I kept coming back to that when there were moments when our beloved characters were potentially in peril. I kept remembering like, okay, Susie said, you know, it's going to be okay. And it's not going to leave me like in angst. Uh, And that was really, that was really true. I did not have, in spite of the fact that a lot of things happen, it did not make me feel nearly as agitated as a Mm -hmm. lot of historicals with all the shenanigans have mm-hmm. so i would also highly highly recommend it and if you've listened to other episodes you know that historicals with shenanigans are not my cup of tea generally <laughs> but i give this one 10 out of 10 just no notes so great mm-hmm. queen's mm-hmm. umbrella what else did you watch though Suze? because that was not the end of 2022 for you no that was not decidedly the end of 2022 so i decided to go through and watch a couple of Chinese dramas. I was like, okay, I should follow up with these things that I sort of half watch with my mom. <laughs> but, like I would like come in during one episode and like watch it. I'm like, okay. Um, and I didn't feel spoiled too much because she watches it with Chinese subtitles. So I don't know what they're saying. Uh, genuinely. <laughs> genuinely don't know what they're saying. Gotcha. So, I was like, okay, there's one that I really enjoyed the few snippets that I saw. And it's called Who Rules the World, um, which is a martial arts sort of historical story, something that's very common in, you know, Chinese media. And I grew up with this kind Mm. of story. This is my favorite kind of Chinese story is these martial arts ones. And I grew up with ones that were made in the 80s maybe early 90s but after that they started you know cgi started happening more and more like it became more developed and so they used it a little too much in like the fight scenes and this kind of thing so it became less organic believable and less beautiful Mm -hmm. like less beautifully choreographed that kind of thing so I just sort of like did not like anything that I saw like after the mm. mid 90s until now, basically. So this is the first martial arts um, series that I 
have really loved um, in this century, (laughs) so to speak. Yeah, so it's, you know, I really like it because the two main characters are equals in terms of um, intelligence and, you know, status also, but they also like respect each other very much and... It's very much sort of like a rivals to lovers kind of story. Mm, There's mm-hmm. some politics on side by side with the martial arts stuff, which um, was actually pretty good. So, you know, I really highly recommend this. It's just a really, you know, nicely produced show. Like, it's beautiful to watch also. But I thought the story mm-hmm. was pretty tight as well. Um, I really like the two leads. So, yeah, Who Rules the World? Very good. I really enjoyed it. And then I went into a vortex. And this vortex (laughs) is called (laughs) Love Between Fairy and Devil. You guys, (laughs) I'm still in this hangover, okay? I've watched it by the end of the year, I guess. I think by like Christmas, the day before yeah. Christmas. Yeah, I have finished it. And that was like three days of watching 36 episodes of a thing. Wow. Yeah. And now this one is wow. a, what they call a Sansia show. So it's a, it's about mythical beings. So they're not about humans. They're about like celestial mm. beings and okay. it's a made up world and mm. nothing about this story is real. <laughs> so if you want to escape, really escape, <laughs> this is the story for you. But again, you know, I mean, it's not just in Asian media, but in all media, you know, like um, the patriarchy, <laughs> shall we say? Mm. is Mm -hmm. you know has a lot of influence you know so that usually Mm -hmm. bleeds into you know how men and women interact you know the roles of like the man and the woman in a relationship and um in the world you know that kind of thing and then there's also like in as you we have seen in like korean dramas especially the like early aughts you know, the wrist grab, mm-hmm. <laughs> the like yep. forced kiss, mm-hmm. the you know, that kind of thing. It's could have devolved into something like that, but the writer put in loopholes into what is happening with these two that there is no danger between them. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of trust. But also, she's not in, like, some kind of, like, Stockholm Syndrome thing. Even though he is technically, like, hey, you need to do this thing before you can leave or whatever. But she's like, whatever, dude. I can leave whenever. You know, this kind of thing. So, it's not a fully, like, normally you would be like, oh, I feel so ick to, like, root for this thing, right? Because it's the parameters or whatever. But the writer gave you loopholes so you can... Be like, oh, this is actually okay. <laughs> this, is, this is all right. And from there, it's like the progression. Okay. <laughs> the progression of their relationship, I thought, was very, very good. It is so beautiful. Like, it's 
a lot of these things, the CGI also sometimes not great and they don't look great. Mm. But this one, they did spend mm-hmm. some money. They spent some money. I think there's like great CGI, like the all the fake backgrounds look beautiful. There's the wire work is mm-hmm. really great. So the fights look incredible. And I just, I really enjoyed it. I'm still in the throes of it. It's just really, really good. Really good. And then I watched something else because I needed to like, I need something super fluffy, super brainless. So I watched this show called A Love So Beautiful. And it is just that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, there's two versions actually on Netflix. There's a Chinese drama one and there's a Korean drama remake of the Chinese drama. So I watched the original Chinese drama one and... I mean, this is, I don't know whose cup of tea this is, but it's, you know, it's teenagers in high school and they're being real dumb about being in love. (laughs) On brand. the main, like, you would hate this drama. Yeah. Because (laughs) the guys, the main, main, uh, male lead, his whole thing is he does not use his words. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, you would have you would have hated it. So, anyway, it's fluffy. It has a really good like friendship uh, story between five different friends, um, beside the romance kind of thing. So I really enjoyed the friendship part of that. And the other part is just like whatever you guys. I don't know what you're doing. This is ridiculous. So anyway, I don't know if I would really recommend it, but there are some cute things about it but don't expect yeah, too yeah. much of it. And then I tortured myself. I don't know why. I went on vacation and I just like put this on the TV every time I was in my room. I watched Meteor Garden 2018. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so many questions, Suze. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I really... Ugh. It's the same, I mean, it's the same story, obviously. They did do a good job updating it for today. Um, You know, originally in any adaptation that I've seen, you know, the core four, the four male leads are, I mean, they're terrible bullies. They're bullies at school. Yeah. Um, But here they're not. It's just like rumors made out by people who are like sore losers at bridge because they <laughs> let me back let me back up so this f4 in this version they are mostly known for being bridge champions so they formed a bridge club and they i guess played other universities i don't know i mean individually they're also what I appreciated that they're actually good at whatever they are doing um, academically, uh, creatively, and not dependent on their parents' wealth so much. Like, that's not, like, their mm-hmm. deal. Whereas in other adaptation, that has been, like, the main thing is, like, they're, like, from rich families, you know. But they're not, like, super useful in any other way. So anyway, they did a good job in certain parts of it. They could very much cut a lot of it. (laughs) There's just, I'm like, why do you keep doing this with like 
the back and forth between the two leads of their relationship is like too many times going like back and forth, in my opinion. So they could have like cut a lot of that stuff. And um, I did appreciate the, that the female lead was really consistent with her personality and portrayal of like who she is. I felt like the boys over flowers version, she like started out as somebody like super tough and then that she became somebody that just had to be saved all the Mm -hmm. time, which I was like, okay, what is this? Mm -hmm. You know? So, but I mainly wanted to watch it because Dylan Wong is the lead here and he is the lead in the fairy devil show. And I Uh wanted to see like his, this is the first thing he's ever done. And for most of the adaptations, I think this is true. Like the four guys are usually super new actors. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a tool to like, um, find new talent kind of uh-huh. thing. So it was the first thing he's ever done, and I think it's true for like most of the four. And you know, predictably, it's not amazing. Right. Right. Sure. Because <laughs> it's the first thing you've ever done. Um. I could see the seed, but like to see that he from went from this meteor garden to the fairy devil show in four years, mm-hmm. and his he was so amazing in that fairy devil show. Yeah, like he was so good. I was like, that's that's so cool to see. Yeah, like I I enjoyed knowing that you know that he like kept improving and you know worked on his craft and all this stuff. So. I'm not, well, I don't know that I'm not sorry. <laughs> Watch Meteor Garden. <laughs> it's, as we would say, a tale as old as time at this point. Mm. Because it's the same story yeah. that we have seen over and over again. But uh, I didn't think it was terrible. I just thought it was still as ridiculous as it always has been. Anyway, it's not great, but I'm sure some of y'all did like it i don't know (laughs) i mean it does seem like there's a viewer for every drama even the ones that strike me as completely Mm -hmm. inexplicable so do you want to talk about uh how much progress you've made in while you were sleeping yes i do so i i stopped last night or at um episode 13 okay so i'm home stretch almost there yeah so uh, love it so much. Just delightful. And I've just, what I thought last night was, you know, I really enjoy these shows where they have like a good trio at the head mm-hmm. of it, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, startup yeah. and, um, what's the other one that had a good, I mean, I feel like there are a lot, there are, there are quite a few where, I mean, it's much more often two guys and one girl than the opposite but i feel like there there are a Mm -hmm. lot of shows like that that you know are mostly sort of the main couple and then the second male lead and then there's maybe a second female lead or maybe there's not really (laughs) a second female lead yeah so i just it just occurred to me like that a lot of shows that i enjoy has this kind of structure yeah sort of trio at the at the top of it um i mean i just really enjoy how i mean that whole team of prosecutors you know Mm -hmm. all of them how they you know interact and support each other 
and like there's not too many evil people <laughs> you know right. there's the one guy who is just trash ridiculous right now, but <laughs> yes. it's just ridiculous trash um uh, but i i do like how all the cases sort of interconnect and how they introduce like sort of the next case you mm. know while the other one is ending right i mean just yeah i just really 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 like it i thought they did a good job with sort of like what happened in the past connecting it to the future mm. and I mean, I was just like, every time Jung Hae-in was on screen, I'm like, Oppa. <laughs> I'm not feeling well, okay? I just need a lot of comforting. So mm-hmm. he was very comforting mm-hmm. to me, and I was like, very much enjoy it. So at this point, they haven't talked about what's up with him. So he has a little secret, right? Mm. So I don't know what that is yet. Yeah, just really, just so enjoyable. I love her mom. Mom's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So many side yeah. characters who are great. Yeah, so many friends that came mm-hmm. in. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Kang Kyung's little arc was really good. You know, I've not mm-hmm. seen him like that before. Mm-hmm. You know, very good. No spoilers, good. but I no I spoilers. Love yeah. I love him in every show, though. Yeah, yeah, he's been so good. This is why you need to like watch Kim Bokju real yeah. quick because he is also really good in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I hope to finish it tonight because uh, I'm just, I don't see how I won't finish right? it tonight. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, so that is the last thing Whew. that is like current watching. So sorry that was so long. But in, you know, in essence, I, I you know, recommend some. I don't recommend some. Check out stuff if you like some Chinese dramas. We're not a Chinese drama podcast, but... That fairy devil show was like all over the place. Even the Korean drama people were like, "Oh yeah, what is this? it was yeah all over my Instagram." Yeah, so, I mean, people. This is shout out to Dayback Pod Jessica, who was really like gave you the final push to be like, "Okay, fine, I will watch it." <laughs> and thank you for um, Liliana from TN Soju Podcast also to the two of you forming a support group for me. During my time of obsession <laughs> with the Fairy Devil show. Thank you very much. That was really helpful. So, yeah. Well, what have you been watching, Lynn? Well, uh, I mean, I jumped in on your Queen's Umbrella because mm. you had already watched the whole thing and then we're re watching it uh, when. I started watching it over yes. the Christmas holiday. Um, That's right, folks. I liked it so much. I've seen it twice. Yes. There you go. Really? <laughs> well, and we talked a little bit about how it seemed like it was going to be the red sleeve of mm. the following year. Because last year over the Christmas, New Year's holidays, we were both watching mm. the red sleeve and mm-hmm. then thereafter started our rule of we do not watch dramas in process because staying up until like midnight for the episode to come out no thank you i'm not doing that anymore um but uh i mean for me it really was similar a similar thing to that in that you know it was a historical that was just so so good and couldn't stop watching it um 
Loved, loved it just as much as you did. Uh, the next thing that I finished, though, I did, <laughs> did not. Speaking of Conky Young, uh, I started watching Bring It On Ghost <laughs> with my boyfriend, Tekyon. And I will say it's not as bad as I expected. That's not true. Did I expect it to be bad? I didn't necessarily have high expectations of it, but uh. the, um, you know, it has such a good cast. It has a bunch of friends in it, and there's this whole business with Conky Young and David Lee, or Lee David, who are uh, Taekyeon's seniors in college. And they have this, like, ghost fighting club. It's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, but they're, like, the comedy duo. Like, the two of them are, like, a double act. And they're just so delightful together. And, uh, you know, and they really made me want to watch this show. But the female lead in this show is, like, a 15-year-old. And she seems for the first half at least of the drama she seems very 15 like she's very childish yeah she's very petty and that really got on my nerves but ultimately the straw that broke my back with regards to <laughs> recommending this drama was the fact that there are no rules like the writer of this drama just made up the rules as far as what ghosts can and cannot do mm. as they went along to suit the particular circumstance. Like I watched 16 plus hours of this show and I still could not tell you what the rules were, which I found <laughs> incredibly frustrating as a yeah. viewer. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, this is the framework that your story needs to work in. And they just sort of, did whatever they wanted and it was really annoying and also there was like another murderer like it was another one of these shows <laughs> which you know strong woman do Wong Sim will always be i think to me the quintessence of this particular is it a trope i don't know it seems specific to korean dramas where it's like a real goofy show but then with a real dark underbelly uh-huh uh, -huh. uh and Bringing on Ghosts was like that, that there was, you know, this character who's just like a straight up murderer. Like, what? Like, oh, can't we just have like the, the silly, like, ghost fighting romp? I don't know. Anyway, mm. I watched the whole thing. I mean, of course I watched the whole thing because Taekyeon is in it and he's making food like he did in Secret Royal Inspector. And you know, I love to see Opa making food. So, you know, I mean, there. I definitely, I loved the parts with him and Kanki Young and Lee David. Mm -hmm. Loved them so much. Mm -hmm. But overall, this show, by the end, I was just like basically yelling at the screen like, this makes no sense. In the other thing, this happened. What? So, I, uh, sorry, Opa, I cannot, I cannot recommend Bring It On Ghost. However... After Bring On Ghost, I went back and a while ago, like several months ago, I think, I had a first date with Familiar Wife and I was mm -hmm. real on the fence about it because there were things that I really liked about it, but it was very shouty. 
like the first episode of Familiar Wife, there's a lot of conflict between the characters and the main character who's played by Ji Sung is real like sort of immature and selfish and you know it's just like real uncomfortable and so I wasn't you know I wasn't sure like I wanted to find out and it had a lot of friends but I was on the fence about it anyway went back to Familiar Wife so glad that I did I loved it so 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 much it was if I had a list it would probably for sure be in my top 10 dramas maybe I don't top five I don't know it would be real high, is all I'm saying, if I had a list, which I do not. Everybody in it is great. The entire cast is great. After Once you get over the hump of that first episode and sort of the real machinery of the plot gets in motion, it's really not a stressful plot. Like, really terrible things do not happen. It's about people and relationships and sort of living with the consequences of our actions but it's a lot about all kinds of relationships and just all of the cast is so stellar and you know I just it was such a surprise to me that I ended up loving it as much as I did I feel like it's kind of a hidden gem because I never hear people mm. ever talking about it or like see it mentioned uh -huh. anywhere but oh uh, mm -hmm. I just thought 10 out of 10. They executed it perfectly. I really, really, really loved it. And then I was re-watching things this week to prepare for today's episode. And there was one thing that I watched that just got me really upset and worked up, even though I had seen it before. <laughs> but, uh... It still made me really, really upset. And I was watching it at like one o'clock in the morning. I should have been sleeping, oh, but I was, goodness. you know, watching this uh. thing and it got me all worked up. And I'm like, well, I can't go to sleep now. So I watched episode <laughs> two of Young Actors Retreat and it oh. was the perfect balm to my condition. <laughs> it made me so relaxed. Literally, I kept like noticing that I was like smiling the whole time when I was watching it. I just Aww. loved it. It's so charming. And all Yay. of all of the friends who are in it are just so delightful. So it was the perfect thing. Mwah. I'm so glad that it exists. Otherwise, I might never have gone to sleep that night. Um, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you got to do that. So that's why we keep things like Young Actors Retreat in our back pocket. For moments yes, like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So God bless you, Young Actors Retreat. I hope Vicky <laughs> never takes you away because I'm going to need you again in the future, I'm sure. But mm -hmm. speaking of our topic for today and what we've rewatching, I mean, we have nine shows to discuss today, friends, Woo! because our awning of the day is so prolific. We're talking today about Hajiwan. So many finger hearts. We love her so much that we have watched nine of her dramas <laughs> between the two of us. Although almost there's almost no things. There's very little overlap. There's a lot of things that Susie uh -huh. has watched and there are things that I have watched and there's uh -huh. very little overlap.
we're gonna start off with <laughs> what happened in Bali. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Okay. Uh, some say it's also called something happened in Bali. Did something happen in Bali? <laughs> Equally unknown. So here's what I did today, which made me a little late uh, to our recording, <laughs> which is, I remember I have the DVDs for these, this show. What? Yes. I have the DVDs. And so I was like, oh, let me just pop it in real quick and let me watch the first episode and then the last episode. And yeah. like, I can just jump along, right? Like, I don't have to watch yeah, yeah. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I did end up watching pretty much the whole of the first episode, but the last of it is I just kind of skipped through. Okay, guys. Something did happen in Bali. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I might just do a big spoiler at the end of this segment okay. and just say skip what? ahead. What it or was. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? But this show, okay, so this show came out in 2004. Real early aughts, you know, this is um, one of the classic classics, you know, uh, the four leads is Haji Wan, uh, Jo In-sung, Soji Sup, and Park Ye-jin. Four, even today, still like phenomenal actors. They're still doing like really good work. Um, mm-hmm. But this is like, you know, early in their career. I know Haji Wan has done like a few things before this. I think this might be like the big, big thing that she did. It's the real melodrama, Makjang world. I mean, it's terrible mm. rich people doing terrible rich people things. Mm. This is something that today I feel like nobody will really tolerate because it's real, just like real rich mm. people problems, which who cares? Like really super who cares about this? Yeah, especially in 2023. Because, you know, we we might care if you weren't terrible people. Here's the premise. So, Join Sung is, you know, mm-hmm. a spoiled rich kid who is good for nothing, right? He is out there partying. Okay. He's out there sleeping around. And then he has to go in the office to do work, quote unquote. But he is also not uh, good uh, at it. So his... I don't know if his grandfather or his father um, just yells at him at the meetings all the time because he's not doing anything right. He is engaged mm. to be married with Park Ye Jin's character. And we see them in the first episode mm-hmm. at a jewelry store. <laughs> and they clearly, like, she clearly does not like him at all. He's kind of like, Mm. I don't mind, but obviously there's no love there. Mm-hmm. So so we are already know right. like the situation with these two. It's an arranged marriage. They don't care for each other, whatever. So he has some kind of like scandal that got into the tabloids with some new actress, right? So Park Ye Jin takes a trip to Indonesia and she goes there. And mm-hmm. Joy and Song's people are like, oh, do you want me to like, track her down like find out where she is and all this stuff and i'm like why are you doing this why do people do this anyway she goes there and she has a address they show us like she has somebody's address there so she's going to this place 
And okay. it is Soji Sup, who is conveniently doing push-ups without a shirt on. <laughs> well, that is convenient. When she knocks on the door. I'm like, Soji Sup, really? Sure. Really? As you do. So it turns out they used to be, they used to date. But his family is poor. Mm-hmm. And so they cannot get married. And mm-hmm. so she left him to get married to Joy and So. Okay. So she wants basically like a one last fling kind of thing before she gets married or something. Oh, okay. But Joy and So finds out where she is and comes and crashes their little trip to Bali. It's real okay. awkward. They meet at the airport. He's like, who are you? And she's all like, oh, he's like a friend from college or whatever. It's real bad for, like, so Jisup is already, like, fed up with this, right? Like, he's like, girl, you already dumped me, you know, because you want to. Right? Why is he going along with this? Anyway, so they end up having, like, another awkward dinner. And it's like, okay, director, because Joan Sung's, like, wearing a suit and. Park Yujin's wearing this, like, nice dress. And here's, like, Soji Sub in his, like, t-shirt and cargo pants. And I'm like, did you need to punctuate how different they're, like, really? Right. Anyway, they have a real... In case you didn't realize, they they have different financial backgrounds. And to make things worse, it turns out Soji Sub works for Jo In-sung's company. Sure he does. So there's that. So, the next day, Jo In-sung arranges for a tour. And this okay. the tour guide is Ha Ji-won. And uh. the night before, Ha Ji-won already like, met Soji-sub, another awkward situation, and they shared a cab, and she like would not shut up. <laughs> and he ended up just kicking her out of the cab. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, these three, these four people end up Basically spending the, this really terrible day together because she is like being a Bali is beautiful. Here's the history of Bali and all three of them in the back yeah. are like looking out the window, not responding, just being jerks. It's real bad. Oh boy. <clears throat> but here's another interesting thing that I observed was like they were not very careful with their continuity. They're, they're much oh. better about this these days, but... They went into this temple, and to go into this temple, you have to, like, wear the sarong and stuff. Um, And when they arrived, I was like, why are these ladies wearing these ridiculous shoes? I was, they're both wearing, like, Mm kitten-heeled mules, basically. I'm like, Mm -hmm. one, Hajiwon is a tour guide, so she knows the terrain. Right. She knows, like, what you're doing, and it's like... Hiking, basically. Right. So they cut to a scene where they're like going up some steps and stuff, and she is now wearing sensible shoes, uh-huh. like sneakers. But none of them are wearing their sarongs. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what? And then they cut to the end of the trip, mm-hmm. and they're all wearing their sarongs again, but in different colors. And Haji Wan is again wearing the terrible shoes. You know, <laughs> they just didn't care. They just did not care. They did not have for continuity. Too hot for continuity. <laughs> Too <apparently>. hot for continuity. 
So that was basically the first first episode was them meeting. We don't even meet Hajiwan until like over half of the episode is over. So as far as I can remember, mm-hmm. what happens in the middle <laughs> is the basic premise is Pak Yejin is terrible because she is basically wanting to keep both, right? Both men. Right, right. Because she kept on was like, I'm in love with you, Soji Sub, but I'm getting married with this guy. And I... And they did get married, uh-huh. actually, during the show. Oh. And Join Sung eventually fell in love with Hajiwan. Mm-hmm. And So Jisup eventually fell in love with Hajiwan as well. This is a mess, so, Susie. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> so So Jisup, of course, through shenanigans, got called back to Seoul for to work back in the main office. Because okay. that's where he used to right. work. But he transferred because he broke up with the girl or whatever. Right. And then Hajiwan through, I'm sure, shenanigans also had to come back to Seoul. So they all just like meet up in Seoul some sort of way and their story continues. But what Soji Sub does is so he um, stole all their money from the company. Mm -hmm. He like rose up the ranks and worked real hard and real quietly, but like siphoned off all their money. And so he ended up with like all this money in the end Mm -hmm. and the company is like in trouble (laughs) and he quit and like moved away and this is where like probably we should put spoiler like right here or like before this or something and so he left and went back to Bali with Hajiwan okay and Hajiwan and him and Joe and Sung just like had this like crazy triangle thing I don't know what Park Yejin was doing and so in the end, Hajiwan decided to go to Bali with Soji Sa. Mm-hmm. And then there, you know, they're all like, they're in bed. <laughs> they're in bed. And they're chatting, and he knows that she's actually, like, in love with Joy and Sa, mm-hmm. and not him. And she's like, I know it's terrible. I try, you know, I, like, really do not want to do that. Like, it's so undignified for me to, like, actually be in love with him because he is so terrible right. you know but this is what happened and so so Jisup's like I'll just be here if you need to go back you can go back it's fine and Join Song comes in at that moment mm-hmm. with a gun and kills them both what and then he goes to the beach and kills himself what the heck what Yes, this is the end of what happened in Bali. That is what happened in Bali. It was so shocking. Like, I don't think any other show has ended this way, maybe. I don't know. That's probably not true by this point. But at the time. I mean, my mouth is literally hanging open. That (laughs) I did not see that coming. I did not think it was that kind of show. Yeah, yeah. So... What did happen? I mean, to cause that. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's yeah. going to be a hard pass. I can't believe you own those DVDs, Sus. I think it was because a friend was getting rid of a lot of her DVDs. Oh, and I was okay. Like, I'll, just, I I'll just take some I of gotcha. them. I gotcha. But, I mean, I would say congratulations, though, for Join Sung's character because... He, I don't know, it's real consistent. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he did not change to become, like, some kind of, like, super nice person right, right. or whatever. <laughs> Started out you know? terrible, ended terrible. Uh-huh. On brand. So that's, like, points for that? <laughs> that is really the silver lining that you are really trying to see. But okay. That's, wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's what happened in Bali. Okay. I mean, it's it's a real soap. You know, if you love those kinds of things, this is a real, you know, it's a real exciting one, I guess, in the end. But the middle probably is not really worth it. <laughs> well, maybe yeah. if somebody just wants to watch that end, you can, you know, lo- loan them the DVD. So the next thing she did was Huang Ji Ni in 2006. So um, I also, I, I have the videos of this and I just watched like a little bit of the end of it just to see what, mm-hmm. how they wrapped it up. Uh-huh. But this is a, basically a biopic of a very fam- famous Giseng called Huang Ji Ni who lived uh, around 1506 to 1560. And um, I think the, from like refreshing my memory with like different reviews and stuff like that, it really puts emphasis on um, how becoming a Giseng at the time was a way to be educated. Mm -hmm. So you, can learn to read and write. You can learn art, literature, music, dancing, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, whereas, you know, your average person usually does not have that opportunity. Right. Your average so, woman, especially. Yeah, exactly. So this series really emphasized that, you know, about Huang Jini as an artist. Mm-hmm. And it... Um, you know, it's a real biopic. It starts when she was little and how she started became a Gisang. Um, that she had a couple of sort of tragic love stories in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her like quest to like really excel in her profession. Uh, there's a rivalry between her and another Gisang that really sort of drives the story forward mm-hmm. as well. And sort of their different perspectives on, you know, what their art is mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And so, yeah, I I think I really enjoyed it when I watched it. You know, it's, you're, like, if you watch a biopic movie, it's your typical sort of thing. Although it doesn't, like, portray her as an old woman. Mm-hmm. So it just stops at, like, a certain um, point in time. Where she, I think she created this really, maybe famous dance, um, at a, and performed it at some competition, um, but yeah, I I think if you can find it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, I don't think it's on Vicky, right? Yeah, right now. no, I don't think so. Um, but if you have a chance to see it, I think it is definitely worth seeing. I mean, she is of course incredible in it. Um, there's, I mean, Huang Jini is so famous. There's two dramas and two movies made out of her already. Uh-huh. Um, made about her. So, yeah. 
Ron Genie, right. if you can find it, right. check it out. I mean, I would be real interested because I'm very, uh, ever since we watched Home Fatale, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm very curious about the sort of Gisun life because you see them in dramas, but they're always in the background. They're like the setting for the action right. and the Gisangs are never main mm-hmm. characters. You know, you don't really find mm-hmm. out about them, but anyway, right. I mean, it sounds real good, but yeah, I probably won't get a chance yeah. to see it. Sadly. Now we are going to talk about 2010's Sacred Garden, in which Hajiwan plays Gil Ra'im, uh, and we talked about it very briefly in passing in our Boyfriend Buffet episode, because one of my oh. just little bite-sized boyfriends I met in this drama, because he was hardly <laughs> in any other things. Lee Phillips, uh-huh. so sad. I miss you, Opa. Uh, but we're not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about Gil Ra'im. In this drama, she's a stunt woman slash martial artist. Uh, from a, She comes from a poor background, and she has a sad backstory with her parents. Another thing that we find out pretty early on about her in the drama is that she is a fangirl to the uh, pop star Oska, who is also the second mm-hmm. male lead in the show, as it turns out. Um, but we first meet her in the drama. She's at this department store and somebody's purse, purse gets snatched and she like chases after the purse snatcher and gets the bag back and she's the hero of the day and everything and she's like such a badass and then there on out her character is like really meek like she's very bold in that very first opening sequence and then mm. thereafter we really never see that boldness again in her character like she's very bold in her martial arts and in what Uh she does she's really brave um and daring but as a person she just lets everybody walk all over her and i had a real hard time with this drama as susie knows because i kept (laughs) messaging her like at what point in this drama is human stop being trash because (laughs) I mean, it came real close to being a DNF for me, friends. But mm. let me tell you a little bit more about about this show. So Secret Garden is a body-switching comedy, even though it doesn't happen for... It doesn't happen until, like, episode six or something. It took a really mm. long time for them to get to that point, in my opinion. Like, I expected mm. it to happen in, like, episode two. Um, uh-huh. because that's like, you know, that that's the premise from the outstart. Like it's sold as that, like even I uh-huh. who go into dramas knowing nothing knew, knew that going into it. Okay. So here <laughs> Bim plays this terrible J ball guy. I guess people generally don't think he's so terrible. He's real. He is real quirky, but he's real terrible to her all the time. Like he's real mean. And he does this whole 
reminded me of Mr. Darcy thing where he's like, you know, I think you're beneath me, but I like you anyway thing. Where I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> um, you know, and he's always like grabbing her wrist and inserting himself into her life. Even though she tells him to get lost, she tells him that she doesn't want anything to do with him. But he just keeps showing up and being rude to her. But he shows up like at her uh, at her work, essentially, at the action school where all the martial artists and stunt people train. Well, I was going to say he pretends to join, but he does like legit join one of the classes he's <laughs> training. But he's not really interested in training. He just wants to be around her and like make her life miserable. Uh, but there's a very <laughs> memorable scene. So he has this terrible... <laughs> <laughs> this terrible blue sequined tracksuit that he wears all the time and tells everyone, you know, how expensive it was that it was like handmade in Italy and all this. And it's uh -huh. it's like such a punchline that it even becomes like self-referenced within the drama that, the, that like there are characters wearing like knock knockoff tracksuits within the drama. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, but there's a very memorable scene where he's at the action school and she's like, he's doing sit-ups and she's holding his feet for doing sit-ups and he keeps like popping up and getting right close to her face and she's all flustered about it. And oh my gosh, ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. So like I say, the whole premise is that they get body switched, which one of my many issues with this drama is that I feel like the rationale for that is never really adequately explained. I mean, and I won't, I guess I won't spoil the whole like machinations of how like there's someone in particular who causes it to happen, but exactly why, like what, what the end game is, it's not clear, or maybe I just didn't get it. Anyway, that, Ugh. that was perplexing to me. Um, I mean, maybe like, do you understand what it was, Susie? Cause maybe we should just talk <laughs> about it and, and warn people of spoilers. I would say, I don't really think we ever really yeah. knew why the swap happened. Yeah. Like that was just, some inexplicable thing and if anything anyone would ever remember from this show is that tracksuit because <laughs> it is it is the most memorable because it thing. becomes like also yeah it also becomes a meme in other shows when it's like trying to reference right this show it's always that tracksuit track yeah um that comes up but um i want to say that i did I did enjoy it at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think we've established I probably have a higher threshold of tolerance for terrible people. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Absolutely. But another thing is, this is about the time where I did a lot of buddy watching with friends. Oh, yeah. Um, of K-dramas. So that sort of like enhanced enjoyment mm -hmm. when you're watching with other for people. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't remember a lot of the details other than his mom is super terrible. So right? terrible. So, like, oh. Oh. I think, like, new worst J-Ball mother. Yes. Oh. Like, so shrill and terrible. Like, always oh. screaming. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Just, uh-huh. I actually got to the point where... I just, uh, the last probably six episodes, anytime she was on screen, I was like, this isn't advancing the plot. I just skipped over any scene that she was in. Because it's not advancing the plot. Like, you know exactly what's going to happen. So what is the point of these scenes? Um, Yeah, I just wouldn't even watch a thing that she was in. I will say, though, about about Hume Bin's character being terrible, because it's a body, body swap comedy... Uh, you know, obviously there were points at which Hajiwan is playing that character and Hyun Bin <laughs> yeah. is playing the meek, uh, you know, <laughs> Gilraim character. And uh-huh. I think it is to the credit of both of the actors that, like, uh-huh. they totally transformed. Like, uh, it's, it is very believable from that standpoint. And I found his character just as annoying when Hajiwan was portraying that character <laughs> as I did when Hyun-bin was playing that character. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's nothing mm-hmm. against you, Opa. I, I, I will have plenty of things to say about it when we talk about your episode. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, so I think that she's great in it. I think physically mm-hmm. like some of the stunts and stuff that she does or she's just amazing i mean i think it's amazing how how athletic she is and like just all of the stunts and physical things that she's able to do and also be mm-hmm. such a great actress at the same time um mm-hmm. so it's not taking away from any of the you know any of the cast this just really was not my cup of tea. There were things that I really enjoyed about it. I really enjoyed Oscar. I thought he was hilarious mm-hmm. and charming, but mm-hmm. also like his the second female lead, like his counterpart also super terrible. Um mm-hmm. just oh my gosh. And uh Lee Jong-suk is in it in a small role and I think it's got to be one of the first things that he had done. Um, I mean, he's fine. Like, he's not asked to do very much, but his character is just, like, one note. He just is, like, playing, Mm -hmm. being disgruntled the entire time, basically. And I'm like, this doesn't really speak... Like, (laughs) if I were a casting director, I wouldn't look at this and be like, this guy should star in some shows, you know, like based on, <laughs> based on this performance, he's not yeah. showing a lot of range, but then again, it's not asked of him anyway, was not, was not my favorite, did not love secret garden, even though it's a classic. Mm. I know it's referenced all the time. Mm. I don't regret having watched it. I'm not going to watch it again. Sorry, Lee <laughs> Phillip. If there's a super cut out there of just all the Lee Phillips scenes <laughs> of Secret Garden, please send it my way. Oh, I will say, uh, if you watch it against my warnings, 
Lee Phillips' character does have a hilarious wrap-up to his storyline. Like, where where his character ends up at the end is hilarious and satisfying. But, <laughs> um, yeah, did, did not enjoy Secret Garden. On the other hand, uh, the next show that we're going to talk about is 2012's King to Hearts, where Hajiwan stars together with Lee Sung-gi. And I'm just going to say right up front, and Susie has not seen this one, I'm just going to say right up front, I love this show. And basically the next few minutes are going to be me trying to figure out why I love this show so much. Because... <laughs> There is a lot about this show that is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S this show is. Um, <laughs> no, I actually rewatched quite a bit of it in uh, in preparation for today because I have, I, I watched it, I don't know, six months ago. I watched it quite a while ago uh, and have continued to sort of wonder like why it resonated so deeply with me like why did i love it so much because there i have a lot of notes like i have an entire mm-hmm. spiral bound mm-hmm. book of notes about this show okay so here's the premise the premise is it's set in an, in a fictionalized south korea and north korea so it seems like North Korea is sort of more progressive and more like engaged with the world than maybe it is in real life, or at least like the, the portrait that we have of it in the West in 2023, it seems sort of more engaged with the world than that. Um, which, you know, what we know may or may not reflect reality. But this is definitely not reality because South Korea is a kingdom. Uh, There still was the Korean War, so they're still divided, obviously. But Mm -hmm. the opening scene, if not the very opening scene, one of the very opening scenes of the show is a flashback to 1989 and the royal family at that time um, who, you know, our... Our king and uh, the prince that Lee Sung-gi play as adults um, are, you know, children at this point in 1989. And they're watching on TV as the Berlin Wall is coming down. And their father, who is the king, you know, is watching this. And it is his dream, basically, that North and South Korea can become reunited as... The two Germanys are about to be. And so that's a very powerful image. Also, I was a German major in college in the 90s, like right after that happened. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was very resonant uh, with me. Anyway, in this show, like that's sort of the big dream of, of the king and then his son the king who is the young of uh Lee Sung-gi that's the big dream of this is a reunified Korea so Hajiwon's character is Kim Hong-ah and she is 
I mean, if I thought she was a badass in Secret Garden, she is a super mega badass in this show. She is actually <laughs> like covert ops in the North Korean military. Like she is a big deal spy military officer, you know, all, all the things. Um, and so part of the, part of the setup is that there's going to be this competition of different, um, different military forces around the world. It's like, what do they call it? I don't know, a competition of officers where they have a team of like six commissioned officers in the military who are competing against other teams of six in this mm-hmm. tournament, you know, to try and win and who has the best, like whose, whose military officers are the best. And in a gesture of goodwill for the first time, they're going to have a combined team of three from South Korea and three from North Korea. And Kim Hong Ai is going to be the captain of the team, essentially. Uh, and through shenanigans, question mark? Basically, <laughs> without his consent, they sort of rope Lee Seung Gi's character, who's this super ne'er do well, uh, you know, makes Prince Hal in Henry the Fourth look like not looks like look like the most you know, filial son in the world. He is such, <laughs> he is such a ne'er-do-well womanizer, all the things, has no interest in duty. They rope him into being in this uh, officer's competition, basically because his brother, who is the king, is like trying to get him off his butt to like do something and have a life and not just, you know, throw his life away. Mm-hmm. So that is how the two of them encounter each other, is in this competition. Lee Sung Gi's character is always giving everybody a hard time. He gives Kim Hong Ai a hard time. And in a very memorable scene, she, like, literally wipes the floor with him. She, like, <laughs> takes him down using a mop in a women's restroom. And it's real hilarious. Because uh, he's just terrible at the beginning, but because he's Sungi, it's such a great. He's so great in this series, um, because he's so charming, even though his character is infuriating, and so it's a a great opportunity. And over the twenty episodes, you know, his character has just tremendous growth. But because it's over twenty episodes, in my opinion, it doesn't strain credulity that he could make this arc because it's also like the time of the drama is spanning like a couple of years that all this stuff is happening okay yeah um so you know his character undergoes a lot of changes so that's all fine the villain in this show and i use the word villain intentionally rather than like antagonist because a lot of shows have antagonists but this show Mm -hmm. has a villain He's a straight-up, like, James Bond-type, crazy, like, literally crazy villain 
who for some reason has beef with the royal family well do, uh, thinks that because he's rich he should be king i don't know there's a whole weird like flashback to their childhood <laughs> thing uh and he has all of these so he has a western name and like lives mm. in he, they call him john meyer which is funny because it's spelled like john mayer <laughs> uh <laughs> which if we ever meet in real life friends ask me to tell you my real life john mayer story i won't tell it on the podcast uh but anyway so john meyer who is i mean he has a, a korean name which is Kim Bong Su, but he always goes by John Meyer and he has all these like Western people around him where, okay, now I have to go on a tiny little rant because I have, this rant has been a long time in coming, but this yeah. is the first time. Yeah. And Susie already knows what it's going to be because it's probably <laughs> my biggest pet peeve of K-dramas. And it is that the Western actors, the like non-Asian actors are almost without exception not actors <laughs> and universally terrible like it is such an exception to ever have a non-korean a non-asian actor in a drama who's not terrible like they are all terrible and because John Mayer like surrounds himself with Western people and also because of the premise of this show that it's like taking place on a global stage, there are all these quote unquote Americans from the, you know, American military who are like, they're so, I mean, the actors are so terrible. The dialogue does not make sense in English. Like, I'm, I speak fluent English and I'm like, I don't understand what that line is supposed to mean. Like, what is he talking about? Just so egregious and completely takes you out of, it takes me out of like, you know, whatever reality you're buying into, right? Into the, into mm -hmm. the drama. But the ones who are the henchmen for John Mayer are like, so over the top ridiculous there's this woman assassin and she's oh my gosh she's just like a caricature of what an assassin would be like in a thing <laughs> oh it's just yeah so that is all like just so bonkers that it's so ridiculous and I feel like the the whole script, especially as I was rewatching a lot of it this week, I realized like the script feels like it was John, James Bond fan fiction. Like it was like James <laughs> Bond fan fiction written by like a 15 year old who has no understanding of like how international relations actually work. Because there'll be like some supposedly american guy on the phone like the head of the u.s security council who like calls up the president on the phone while he's watching 
a news story about this terrorist incident and he's like calling up the president on the phone to tell him about the terrorist incident as if the head of the u.s security council wouldn't get that information before nbc news like what are you talking about right like their whole the whole concept of how international relations work is very juvenile in this Okay, so I've just been, like, ranting for 10 minutes about all the things that are ridiculous in this show, but I loved it. So, so here's, I think, why is because it is so well cast and because the performances are so compelling that, like, if you can put aside how kind of stupid and ridiculous and nonsensical the plot is, the characters make it work within there because their relationships are really good because the acting is so good. Um, and you know, they're just compelling and you want to find out what happens with them. So they mm-hmm. have, uh, Lee Seung-gi and Haji Wan's characters have this like back and forth on again off again romance like basically from the moment they meet their attraction neither one of them is admitting at first and then they get together and then they're apart again and then together and apart and uh, you know I mean and some of that is like ridiculous shenanigans but I just found them so compelling that I wanted to find out what was going to happen. And because it's all a pretend world, you know, it doesn't have the Mm -hmm. problem of being set in the real world where you sort of have to Mm -hmm. have things end up looking like how they look in the real world or in like a historical drama where they have to look like how they look in real history. So they... I didn't know how it was going to end, like, basically up until, you know, the last episode. I mean, there were a lot of, a lot of questions that were unclear. So, I just, I don't know what to say other than I really loved it. Also, it has, like, a 9.5 on Vicky and, like, a 9.3 on my my drama list, which are really hot. Like, I'm not the only one who loved this show. yeah. So I would for sure give it a shot with the understanding that like it's going to be cray and just like (laughs) fasten your seatbelt in episode one and, you know, buckle in for the ride because it's a lot of fun and there are a lot of really, really fun moments and really touching storylines. I haven't even talked about all of the, you know, all of the side characters yunya jung is in it she's uh lee sung gi's mother she's the dowager queen and jo jung suk is the second male lead and he's so great in it i mean i just always think he's great in everything that i see him in but um you know i highly highly recommend it it's just real real bonkers <laughs> so that's that's what i have to say about king two hearts I mean, I probably have more shows like this than you do. Yeah. Where I can't really explain to people why I love them. And it's more like sometimes a lot of people are probably going to be like, well, 
it wasn't like that good or whatever mm-hmm. instead of like actually a lot of people <laughs> enjoyed it with me right <laughs> but you know there's just something inexplicable sometimes about a show that just like speaks to you mm. you know that might not speak to other people that is not like the usual logical thing yeah yeah you know yeah yeah like it's so good at this so good at that whatever which it looks like the show is very good at a lot of things so it is you know. it is really good at some <laughs> things and really inept at other things i would say unless you just accept it for what it is like accept the yeah. crazy parts yeah. as part part of the ride i will also say i don't think i said this already that you know again maybe because of like my background in studying german and studying german before and after germany was reunified i found the whole reunification umbrella arc really moving Mm -hmm. like the the degree to which Mm -hmm. the the first king the father king and then the the new king like really really wanted to see korea reunified i felt was really really moving and compelling so no i find that you know when that pops up i find that really compelling too i mean like that's like a theme in um you know crash landing Mm -hmm. on you Mm -hmm. that's like a real yearning for new you know reunification i think from the people of either koreas i don't know about the north koreans but i feel like especially the south koreans are really like we really want to yeah make this happen but of course realistically it's like almost impossible right with the kind of leaders that exist today you know right (sighs) yeah it's really heartbreaking which we'll talk about more later because that's coming Uh up in another (laughs) one of our dramas (laughs) yeah So the next thing we've seen her in is Empress Key. Oh boy. Okay. (laughs) This came out in 2013. I saw the whole thing. Lynn tried. I really did try, (laughs) friends. She gave it the good old college try and just couldn't make it. And I do not blame her for it because it is a lot. It is a lot. And... It's not only a lot volume-wise, it's 51 episodes, but I would say from the get-go, it's very fast-paced. Like, the the plot actually, like, moves really fast, and for a historical like this, that is unheard of. They usually, like, drag their feet for, like, however many episodes just on background, Mm -hmm. usually. (laughs) So this is another biopic. Mm Mm-hmm. About a really, I guess, famous empress um, in China at the time under the Yuan dynasty, which are descendants of Genghis Khan. So they're not like Chinese Chinese. Mm. They're Mm -hmm. other ethnics Chinese um, that came into power for some years it wasn't i don't i don't think it was very long but during that time the little country of goryeo became annexed um by them so they became like a territory so every year they have to like you know pay tribute which means they have to send like 
women and children to mm. like work there and money and supplies and that sort of thing. So they have they're essentially still their own kingdom, but they don't really have power. So there there is a king usually installed there, but you're sort of like a puppet when you're a king there. Mm-hmm. Because you have to, you know, you don't really have power over your own land. Like, you have to run it through the Chinese Mm -hmm. people. So, in this story, uh, Hajiwan is Ki Sun Yang, who is (laughs) where we meet her. She's pretending to be a man. Surprise, surprise! Mm-hmm. Historical. So she is uh, associate with this. I don't know. Are they bandits? They're not really bandits, are they? They're like a gang. Yeah, there's I mean, some kind, kind of, of gang bandits, that. Yeah. So they do like nefarious things to get money, and they. It's almost like a mafia thing. I feel like because mm-hmm. they. Yeah, yeah. They are sort of, yeah, like an organized, a little bit of an organized crime syndicate, yeah. Yeah, because they have territories and they, I think they collect, like, protection money or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe. Because I feel like that was one of the, like, many conflicts that happened in the beginning to introduce them, like, they were butting heads with a different right. gang or something. Anyway. Yeah. So the other characters here is there is a sort of exiled crown prince from Goryeo that is in this town that I think is actually like a like a border town mm. between the two territories. So he's I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> this seems like a theme for this era. Mm. It's some kind of like uh, security measure between the two countries. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna hold one of your like precious people, mm-hmm. so you don't do anything stupid because mm-hmm. I can like kill them. Right, right. This sort of thing. Yeah. Because the other one is also an exiled prince from Yuan mm-hmm. that was taken to Goryeo. So there's this whole thing happening. So, I won't really say too much about it because it's a biopic. It's about her meeting these two men who were in exile at different times, right? So the one, and it's a mix between history and fantasy and fiction, where I think Juji and Mo's character, one of the male leads, is maybe fictional, maybe not, but what he does is fictional, Mm -hmm. like, his relationship with her, I think, is fictional, mm-hmm. probably. And then Ji Chang Wook's character, who is the exile prince from Wan, they're like this sort of love triangle thing that happens, and her getting involved with the politics of the days, and like eventually becoming a consort, and then becoming um, empress, you know, all that, just that trajectory. It's basically the story of just, like, how she became, you know, got into power. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, some real heartbreaking moments, some real sad moments, some real crazy moments. I mean, and if you are a Ji Chang Wook fan, maybe skip this one. Oh, boy. Maybe skip this one. Mm-hmm. 
Because he is a man child in this show. Mm -hmm. Just his character starts out real whiny, immature. It does not really improve (laughs) as time goes by. You know, maybe slightly, but then he's still like that selfish aspect of it is always there. And though he always wants to, I don't know, try to protect her or do whatever, but it's not really what you want as protection or when he eventually comes into power, he also doesn't change and doesn't think about the people and like, you know, what it means to become like a real leader Mm. and ruler. Yeah. Like that just like never occurs to him like it's all about like his own personal stuff yeah so i just it's real hard to i don't know how anybody was rooting for him and her Mm-mm. but i was really not <laughs> no yeah he's so 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 terrible i mean he was really the reason why i could not continue on with that show because mm-hmm. he's in it a lot and uh-huh. so I mean, terrible he's a lead right yeah um but just i mean just like you were saying selfish all everything he does is motivated by selfish motivations like even his Uh so-called like love of her like he never once considers Uh what she wants you know he Uh wants to have her at least in the 17 episodes that i watched and yes i watched 17 (laughs) episodes uh you know he he wants to have her as a possession and like wants her to have feelings for him but he doesn't love her i mean i'm not sure that he's capable of mm-hmm. thinking about other people he's just so self-centered oh it's too much too much yeah um but like i said you know the plot actually moves really fast mm. which i appreciate it i mean if you like historicals you know i would definitely recommend if you like historicals it's like an interesting story i've never heard of her before Mm -hmm. so that's an interesting part of history to learn about there's lots of ups and downs there's a lot of terrible people i mean even one of the terrible people was in love with her and that was real interesting Mm. (laughs) but I thought the ending was disappointing because it it's very typical. Mm. It's very here's the end of this story because this is what history, history says. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's again one of those things where like I thought they did an okay job with mixing history and fiction. Yeah in the end you know you just kind of had to follow a certain trajectory mm-hmm. and end there you mm-hmm. know it was just like meh you know it just kind of was like oh oh oh, oh. Or, oh just like you know. petered out so, at the end yeah it just didn't match how the rest of the show went mm-hmm. i thought it was a very like action driven mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. you know like, lots of things happens, and it spans so many years, but then the end is kind of like, okay. There's not even, like, I don't know, some kind of epilogue? Mm. I don't know. I yeah. wish there was even something like that. So, check it out if you're a historical buff. It's really well made. There's just real bad characters, and you just have to 
endure that. <laughs> but the story is very interesting and intriguing. Well, and I will say, I mean, the, the whole reason why I even watched it for 17 episodes is because you were so enthused about it. Like, you were really loving it when you watched it. I feel like mm-hmm. your, your review mm-hmm. of it at this point is a little bit tempered by the fact that the ending was a letdown. Mm. I can attest from the outside because I was along for the ride, but you really, really loved it. You know, you enjoyed it a lot while you were watching it. So like you say, mm-hmm. if historicals are your jam, this was a good one up until yeah. the end. And if you don't mind terrible, terrible people. <laughs> yeah, basically. And the next one is The Time We Were Not In Love, uh, came out in 2015, and this is like a friends to lovers kind of love story, Mm. and it's a very slow burn romance because they've been friends, Hajiwan, who is Ohanaini, has been friends with Lee Jimot since, you know, they were little and they, most of the flashbacks that they show are in high school. They also live next door to each other, their families, their houses. So they're really good friends for a long, long, long time. And, you know, we start like today where they're both, you know, out of college working people, professionals, you know, Ohana is, she works for a shoe company as a marketer. Oh. And um, Lee Jin Wook is a flight attendant. Mm Mm-hmm. So we see them in their like sort of professional capacity and then we just see them in relationship with like other people. So like trying to date kind of thing mm-hmm. and how that's like either working out or not working out. And, you know, there's a lot of flashbacks between like what happened to them because your question is, why aren't they dating now? You know, mm-hmm. and th- so they show like a lot of flashbacks of like instances where something could have happened, but why they didn't happen and this kind of thing. And they show a lot of, you know, them supporting each other in different times of their lives. And, you know, I don't have a a ton to say about this. You know, I think it's, there's some cute moments, but it is a real slow burn. Like you're in the friend zone for a while. Um, And then like midway through, an ex-boyfriend comes and Mm. it's... (sighs) Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. And he's just, it's this like, why? It, that's my question. It's just like, why? why? And also like, it probably just wants to show like her growth because when she was with him before, it was not a good relationship mm. because the relationship was basically on his terms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always like him saying like, can you meet now? Or like, this is the only time I can meet or I can only do this and never really like, coming to her mm-hmm. so is her coming to him and then for reasons that we will never find out <laughs> he did not attend their engagement party wait a second you mean his own engagement party he did not attend yes he did not attend <laughs> and yet, so she is left crying what? and whatever yeah yeah so like, they try to tell us why. And it has something to do with his job. He is a pianist. 
He's a he had a pianist emergency. Really good pianist. Is that a thing? <laughs> I I don't know how things work with pianists and agents Pianism. and management or whatever. But apparently, he was. You know, it's like being an idol, not allowed to date, right. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's this kind of situation where somebody somebody interfered and was like, you cannot get engaged with her and you have to go do this thing instead kind of thing but we never really know what that is like we don't that's so weird to me it is so weird but to me he also never changed yeah like he's saying that i want to like now be in this relationship with you but when he came back he was just the same Mm -hmm. he was just saying like hey let's meet tonight but not saying when, mm-hmm. where, how, you know? Yeah. So she's like, initially she just like waited at her office. Oh my God. Like, okay. But luckily that instant Legion will just cut off that nonsense and came to get her and pick Good. her up and was like, you're waiting for him. Stop it. Right. So, <laughs> so anyway, it's really like, I this is not my jam in terms of like because you gotta wait a long time for them to actually get mm-hmm. together, and I just I'm not into that. Um, I mean, it, there are some interesting sort of nuances in it, but it is real slow, and I don't know. I don't know if I would recommend, but mm. you know, I'm sort of like mid about it. Yeah. You know, I didn't hate it for sure, yeah. and I'm I'm glad I watched it. And of course, Hajiwan is really great in this kind of spunky, cheerful mm-hmm. uh, kind of characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Performances are good, I thought, but it's real. you know, it's one of these things that could have been, like, maybe eight episodes. Mm. I would say. Gotcha. You know, you know, because the necessity of to fill in, like, 16 episodes, you have, like, of course, superfluous other plot points that have nothing to do with the actual you know, main arc, and yeah, that's always annoying, you know. So, but lots of friends in it, yeah. really. Her parents are delightful, you know, his um, cousin that he lives with is delightful, and so I don't know, you know, if you like this kind of story, you know, check it out. But, and she has excellent shoes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> The next thing, though, that I'm going to talk about is chocolate. Oh, she's so excited. Came out in 2019. I've recently watched this. This is another one where I could not stop watching as soon as I started. So, warning, it is a tear jerker. They are jerking your tears. They are... (laughs) milking it they are on purpose making you cry so it is a story about uh haji wan's character moon cha young who when she was little she went through uh some kind of tragedy and it is a shared tragedy with other people and if you've seen uh rain or shine Mm. or just between lovers, which are the they same share a show. lot of DNA. Yeah, we are, which are the same show, just different names. They share a lot of DNA because the 
the like shared tragedy is the same thing, which is this famous collapse of a department store back in like 95, I want to say. Which if you've seen Move to Heaven also (laughs) figures into that story. Oh, okay. Good. So it's been used a few times as a sort of background thing. So Moon Chaeyoung, who is Hajiwan, is, you know, through this tragedy, you know, she has to go through a lot of things. And But before that, she met with a young man who cooked food for her. Mm. You know, when she was little, she, her mom wanted her to be in like beauty pageants and stuff or audition for acting roles. And so would like basically starve her to like lose weight. Oh dear. I know. So she was just wandering. They were on vacation in this little town and she was just wandering, being hungry (laughs) and like, and wandered into this boy's restaurant. His mom has the restaurant, but he can cook as well. And he was just like, are you hungry? Let me get you some food. So she just ate this whole buffet of incredibleness by herself, which was so amazing. And so they had a little bond there. And he was like, hey, come back for lunch. So I guess this was breakfast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, come back for lunch. I'm going to make you a dessert. You know, it's a chocolate dessert. She's like, okay. But then, of course, could not come right. back for reasons. And then he had to relocate for reasons. Okay, so they separate. And the boy who, as an adult, is played by Yoon Ke Sang, had to grow up in this really terrible family. Mm. <laughs> Again, rich family. So his dad was part of this family of hospital owners Mm. and also doctors Mm -hmm. but his dad did not want to have that life and married the maid's daughter Mm -hmm. and so they moved to this small town right but he died young and so he was raised by his mom but then his terrible grandmother came to take him back to seoul just to uh, it's just a real terrible sort of like um thing to dole out inheritance kind of thing Mm -hmm. and of course he has a cousin you know an uncle and aunt who really wants to like take over right and he like i don't want any of this you know but i didn't even want to be here yeah so anyway through that he had to just he had to grow up in that family became a doctor and that's how he meets hajiwan again Mm -hmm. through doctoring (laughs) so they meet again but they have like sort of not they didn't like really connect. Mm. So she recognized him first, but he did not know her. And then she was about to tell him about knowing him, but then he had to go away. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like misconnections happening until they really meet again when she agrees to date his best friend. Oh dear. Oh no. (laughs) So he's a doctor. He's a surgeon. He's a neurosurgeon. Oh, and things happened, things happened. They get into an accident together, which caused him to have tremors in his hand. Oh. So he cannot perform surgery anymore. And she originally was going to go to Greece to like work. But then because of the accident, she had to stay for a long time. Mm-hmm. And while she did that, she became a cook at this hospice. Oh. And then this hospice is part of the big hospital 
conglomerate, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess, that Yoon Kae-sung's family owns. So he gets sent there mm-hmm. to be a doctor at the hospice because he can no longer perform surgery. Right. Which I feel like is a little bit of a leap, but okay. Well, I, and so it the, makes sense though that like a ho- the the sort the level of doctoring that is required at a hospice does not require the fine motor skills of a surgeon. So from that standpoint, it sort of makes sense. I mean, you know, it's a show. <laughs> yeah. So that's where the bulk of the story um, happens mm. is at this hospice, and I thought it was. One question that kept on being raised is that, is it valuable to be a doctor in this place where you know your patients are going to die? Right. That's like 100% certainty. Right, right. That your patients are going to die. Yeah. And the value of a hospice Mm -hmm. to help people die with dignity Mm. and in peace Mm -hmm. with their surrounded by their family and this kind of thing. Yeah, so as you can imagine, deaths occur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Many deaths occur. But it's this like bittersweet thing where you get to know, you know, the residents. Mm-hmm. And then you get to like just be on their last journey with them mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's like real sad, but it's also very sweet. And you, you're you glad you get to know them kind of thing. and. He is learning, you know, of course, he's very resentful when he first mm, gets there. Right, right. But he then learns how how valuable this is mm-hmm. to people and to himself. And she also, um, so she's a chef. So she, you know, she cooks food for them. And a lot of times she's basically cooking them their last meal kind of oh, thing. Oh, wow. Or a meaningful meal that they've had before that they want to replicate Mm -hmm. kind of thing, Mm -hmm. just helping them, you know, do that before they die kind of thing. And so, you know, they'll discover their childhood connections, which is in itself an incredibly, incredibly heartbreaking, but beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I think, this might be my favorite Hajiwan thing that I've ever seen her in. She's just so good at this kind of role where she's, there's a lot of humor too in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just sad all the time. So she's very good at going like into that sort of, I don't know, it's like a normal person, you yeah. know, like yeah. at times that require levity, you are like fine. And then there are sad times and, you know, she has had to go through so, so, so much in her life. And you just really, really feel for her. And I don't know, I think she has, like, really great chemistry with you and Kaesang. Um And Jang Songju is the second lead in here. Mm-hmm. And I thought his story was very good as well. Mm-hmm. Because at first you think he's just, like, your typical you know, Chebel person mm-hmm. in here mm-hmm. and you think you know what he wants in life and then you discover he has layers too and there's reasons why he's the way he is mm-hmm. and I just thought that whole thing was also really well done. Mm. Uh, yeah, lots of friends, just Kim Won Hayes and oh, he's just... What? He's in everything. 
He is so, so good in his two. Mm-hmm. I mean, when is he not good? Never. But yeah, I just, I really highly recommend it. I mean, if you want just a good jag of crying. Right. I think there's only like a respite in like two or three episodes in the middle mm-hmm. where there's not something that you need to cry about. The whole, like, just start this immediately. <laughs> Okay, but it sounds like to me, I mean, and I said right after you watched it, I had said, oh, it sounds like it shares a lot of DNA with Move to Heaven. Mm-hmm. But like, so I haven't seen Chocolate, but in Move to Heaven, mostly you're crying because it is so touching. Like, because these stories are like heartbreaking, mm-hmm. but not not because of like injustice and because it makes you angry kind of crying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because that's mm-hmm. the, like, too much of that, like, injustice crying is hard for me to take. Yeah. But, like, give me, give me touching all day. Yeah, no, this I mean, is. I need to breathe through my nose yeah. at some point, but. <laughs> no, this is, I think it's all touching. It's not really yeah. injustice based kind of thing. The injustice yeah. stuff is, like, ridiculous and doesn't really, like pan out there's some characters that are just like "Ugh, why are you here kind of thing which is normal i guess but yeah the main arc is slow but that's Mm -hmm. okay because you have all these like it gives you time to visit with all these other people while that sort of slowly develops and Mm -hmm. i think it's real sweet it's real i mean human interest stories right like it's just like finding yeah Yeah. finding empathy with with people and Mm. yeah yeah and it's they're really good at making things so diverse in terms of people's life stories you know Mm. there's so many Mm -hmm. different people that they highlighted so highly recommend i definitely want to watch it yeah it sounds so great highly recommend but you will cry you you will cry yeah (laughs) I mean, just so long as you know that. Yeah. Which you wouldn't necessarily know from the name Chocolate. So no. that's an important yeah. caveat to add. Yes. Like, oh, oh. chocolate, yeah. in parentheses, bring tissues. Right. Also, don't be hungry because there's some delicious, <laughs> delicious food being made in this show. Oh, yeah. The next show that we're going to talk about is not strictly a K-drama, even though it was produced in South Korea. You know, there are a lot of K-drama familiar faces in it, but we're going to talk about Drama World, or more specifically, Drama World Series 2. Uh, so let me give you a little scoop. I, I feel like not a lot of people have seen Drama World. So this is going to be my little cheerleader, be a cheerleader for why everyone should watch Drama World. So there are two series. The first one was made as a Vicky original. Like you can even see in parts of it where they show like where a character is watching the drama on their phone. Like you can see the little Vicky thing (laughs) on it if you look closely. Um, But it is no longer available 
in the U.S. on Viki. Maybe somewhere it is, but in the U.S. it's no longer available on Viki. It's available on Prime, and the second series was was created with no affiliation with Viki whatsoever. So they're both on Prime. You can watch them with ads, um, and. While that is annoying, I will say they had straight-up Subway ads in there when I was re-watching this past week. So, you know, kudos for that. Well done, whoever's placing the ads on the Prime channels. Uh, okay, so Drama World is about an American K-drama fan. So... Korean dramas, less so now, like, I feel like newer ones, some of them you can tell more are made for a more global audience, but definitely older ones are made for a Korean audience, understandably. But there are times as a K-drama fan where you definitely feel like you're missing out on things because you're not from there, right? Like, even Mm -hmm. if you spoke fluent Korean, if you don't know a lot of Korean culture things. Oh, Mm -hmm. like, for instance, this is another reason why I love Vicky Subbers, because I'll, (laughs) you know, put little inside jokes in sometimes when you won't get it. And I forgot to mention, while I was saying everything in the world about the King Two Hearts, I did not say that there is actually a Huang Jinyi reference in King Two Hearts, which I did not get until I went back and rewatched parts of it this past week. But there's a part at which one of the characters says about Hajiwan's character, who has never dated because she's just been training to be a soldier like her whole life. Um, you know, she's totally inexperienced, but they, her friends say about her to each other, well, you know, her father thinks she's Huang Jinyi. Like, her father thinks that she's this great, like, la- you know, not lady killer, man killer. Like, some, somebody who all the men love. Anyway. But this time I actually got like, oh, I get it. It's like a reference back to a show that she was in. Good uh-huh. job. Anyway, you miss out on stuff like that because it's not made for us, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I have no interest in, like, Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or, like, most of the American slash English language shows that are the shows that everybody's talking about. I'm not interested in that. So it's like, I don't fit, I feel like I don't fit into Mm -hmm. either thing. Like, I'm not Korean. The show's not made for me. But... I don't enjoy a lot of like English language content. Drama World made me feel seen because it is made for non-Korean K-drama fans basically. Mm-hmm. Like it is about a an American super K-drama fan who because of supernatural reasons gets sucked into the world where the K-dramas reside and are made, which is drama world. And so Claire gets sucked in and the rules of drama world are, you know, that it's all fictional, but there are these offstage facilitators that are making things happen. So she encounters another facilitator and then she gets involved with becoming a facilitator who are 
from the real world, people like her who are from the real world, who are K-drama fans, who are arranging, subtly arranging things behind the scenes to make things happen. Okay, that's all a lot of explanation. Go back and watch the first series of Drama World. It is super delightful and you will feel seen. Uh, then they did a second series of Drama World, which is a little bit longer. The first series is maybe i think it's 10 episodes but they're all they're super short they're like 12 minutes 15 minutes each the second series they're half hour there are 10 of them and there are half hours so they're still short compared to a k-drama series mm-hmm. but uh they are longer than in the original series oh and i should mention in the first series full of cameos like full of familiar faces that you will recognize in very you know, tiny parts for the most part. Uh, although Wu Do Hwan uh-huh. has a part in the first series, Ooh. doesn't have a lot to do, but he's in it, and that made me happy because I loved him so much in the King Eternal Monarch. <laughs> okay, so all of that is just setting the stage to tell you about Hajiwan's character in Drama World 2, which is just called Jiwan because, uh, she is one of the characters in the drama. So the characters in the drama don't know that they're in a drama. They think that they are in, you know, that they are in real life. But the rules of drama world are at the end of their 16 episodes or 20 episodes, their whole world resets and they just go into another drama. Mm -hmm. But because of shenanigans related to facilitators Jiwan becomes involved outside of strictly being in her drama Mm -hmm. she she gains awareness of Mm. the larger drama world I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it she is of course great in it i mean do we even need to say at this point like there's not a single thing that she's in that she's not great in. well i don't know about bali but uh <laughs> but she was still you know, great in it. <laughs> yeah everything that we've talked about she's always great she's very good at her job she is great in drama world she has some things to do but this is the thing that i was watching at one o'clock in the morning that left me like sobbing and distraught at 1 a.m. that I had to turn to the young actors retreat for solace so that I could like come down because I loved the first series of John World so much loved the second series there's a lot of great stuff there are a lot of great um you know puncturing of tropes hilarious you know women falling over and being caught by men and wrist grabs and the whole thing. There is a scene that I did not get the first time that I watched Drama World 2 with Hajiwan holding the ankles of a guy in a blue spangly tracksuit doing sit-ups. Which I was like, hilarious! (laughs) I get it now! I didn't get it the first time. I was like, what is this rando scene of sit-ups doing in here? Now I get it. Mm. Great job, Drama World 2. But, I don't know what the deal is. I, I can't, 
even I mean I guess the ending is a cliffhanger hmm. but it's like feels like where they are in the narrative is like one episode from the end and then it just stops at like the climax of the story it just cuts off and says to be continued and this came out in 2021 so it's two years ago now and i have not heard any movement towards finishing the series and the thing is it feels like like i say it's almost at the end like all of the plot all the all of the parts of the plot are like at an apex and they just drop it so i don't know if they ran out of money or like what the deal was but if anyone involved with the production of drama world is listening to our podcast right now (laughs) please 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 even if you don't have money to make more drama worlds, if they're never, if we're never going to find out, please at least let known to the world, like how the plot was going to resolve mm. because it's real frustrating. And like some things that happen are real heartbreaking in drama world too. And I was just real, real upset. Oh. So please 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 i am begging you either make a little bit more i don't think you even really need to make 10 more episodes you could just make like two more half hours three Mm. more half hours just a little bit more to let us know or just like release the unreleased script of (laughs) trauma world (laughs) three but Oh my gosh, it's so frustrating to not know what happened. So I highly recommend them, but just know that the ending is like, is it more infuriating than the ending of Dodo Soso La La Soul? It is equally infuriating in a different way. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. Uh, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say just don't watch the last episode Uh because there's some really good stuff in that last episode, but it's the ending is very abrupt and jarring. And I mean, does it need to be said unsatisfying anyway? Please go watch them. They are super enjoyable. Just brace yourself for the end. That's, (laughs) that's what I could say about the drama world. Okay. But it's, it's the only thing that I've seen. I mean, I guess Vicky did come out with like a web series in 2022 about that they called like Drama Land or something like that. That was sort of a similar-ish. Well, it wasn't really. Um, that I had high hopes for and I found very disappointing. I wish that Vicky would just give them more money to make, like to wrap up the drama world thing. Yeah. That's my vote. So that was 2021. Uh And now we are at Miss Hajiwan's most recent drama that came out that just wrapped up right before Christmas. And then I jumped right into (laughs) it. I actually... I actually broke the rules, Susie. 
Mm-hmm. It was like the day before the last episode Ooh. was coming out. And I was like, there's no way Come there's on. no way that I'm going to watch 15 <laughs> hours. It's like physically impossible for me to watch 15 <laughs> hours in one day. Huh. Uh, so I actually it was technically not over, but there was no way I was going to be left hanging. I'm talking about Curtain Call, uh, which co-stars... Kang Hanul, who I love so much. Baker Hall. We're going to need to do an episode about him soon. Finger yes. Hearts, love so much. Um, okay, so the premise of Curtain Call, in the very beginning of the very first episode, I actually couldn't even, when I first started the first episode of Curtain Call, I had to turn it off and switch to something else because it's real, real intense. So Ugh. it's in the early days of the Korean War, um, and there is an American ship, and I can't remember if they say it's somewhere in what would become North Korea, um, and they're trying to evacuate as many people as they can get onto the ship. So there are all these people scrambling to get on the ship, but the ship is about to leave. And so the sort of main person about who around whom the story is centered, her character is Jagum Sun, who is played in that flashback scene at the beginning by Hajiwan, but in most of the drama is played by Godu Shim, who has been in a bunch of things. My Mister, uh, where the Camellia Blooms. She actually plays Kang Hanul's mother in Where yeah. the Camellia Blooms, or When the Camellia Blooms. Our Blues, and <coughs> You Are the Best. Uh, my favorite title of hers is Mama Fairy and the Woodcutter. I've not seen it. I don't even think it's available. I just love the title of that. Anyway. But in this in this flashback scene in the fifties, Gumsun is played by Hajiwan, and then her husband is played in the flashback scene by Kang Hanul, and they and their baby are trying to get on this boat. And long story short, it's all very upsetting and traumatic. She ends up getting on the ship. Husband and baby get left behind oh. in North Korea. This is another one we were talking a little bit ago about uh, the sort of dream of reunification. And I think that that theme felt even more acute to me after having watched this, because this whole story is about a family that, you know, was Mm -hmm. divided. I mean, this this is the event. The first thing that they show us is the event that sets the whole rest of the story in motion because this family is now divided. Okay, so she ends up in South Korea waiting for her husband who has really no way to get to her or even contact her. So she ends up selling rice soup and having a rice soup restaurant, which then grows into a hotel and then eventually grows into this entire hotel chain of hotels, these luxury hotels. Uh Um, So she becomes this very wealthy person, but she's, is haunted by this family that she left behind. And she does eventually gets remarried, um, you know, and has a son. And then her son has three children who are main players in the, in the drama. But 
she's always trying to find this son that she left behind. And then at some point in, I can't remember if they say, I'm sure they do did say, and I just didn't write it down in like the nineties, maybe the eighties or the nineties. There's, there are these reunification events that I think like the red cross stages Mm -hmm. where they'll bring members of families who were separated together just for the day. I mean, and they just, like, get to see each other and then have to go mm. back. I mean, it's really heart-wrenching. Mm. Um, but, you know, they show one of these. So, Gumson does get to meet with her son, who is now an adult, and her grandson at one of these reunification events. Her husband died young. So her son had to had a, a rough upbringing without a father, but you know she got reconnected with them at this event, and it's all very tearful. And they say, you know, we'll promise to meet here again next year, and then they never were there again after that. Wow. And she doesn't really know what has ever happened to them. So it's her dream to be reunited with them. Mm-hmm. So. Her personal secretary has arranged for a private detective to be investigating, you know, where her grandson is. And what he finds Uh out is that he is sort of associated with criminal activity. He's a real rough character. Uh He's associated with, like, drug smuggling and Uh all these things. And Gumson is now in her 90s. Mm-hmm. She has terminal cancer. She's stopped treatment of the cancer. And the doctors say, you know, without treatment, she has about three months to live. Mm. And so her secretary knows where the grandson is, but says, you know, she does not need this grandson in her life for the last three months. And he sees this very small, tiny theater company, puts on this play that has North Koreans in the play. And Kang Hanul is the lead in the play, plays this North Korean in this play. And so the secretary sees this play and approaches him about how would you like this gig for three months to come and, you know, fulfill this dying woman's last wish to be reunited with her grandson. Mm-hmm. And so that is the whole, that is the premise of Curtain Call. So Haji Wan is her granddaughter who runs the hotel. Her character is Park Se-yun. Mm-hmm. And she is the youngest of the three grandchildren. So there's the oldest grandchild who is a, a grandson And he's a real cold fish and wants to sell the hotel. We know that from the outset. His whole thing is he's waiting to get his shares in the hotel after grandmother passes. And he's going to sell his majority interest in the hotel. He's going to sell the hotel to Bilton. Um, (laughs) That's how they do in K-dramas. And of course... You know, Sayun runs the hotel. Her heart is in the hotel. She does not want us to sell the hotel. So that's the the B plot. The B storyline is their power struggle for 
control of the hotel and whether it's going to be sold or mm. not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the A storyline is, is the family going to find out that Kang Hanul is a fraud? Mm-hmm. And also what is happening with the real grandson? Because there is a real grandson out there. So mm-hmm. these are all things that are in motion. Okay. Um, so Se-yun is Hajiwan's character. She is so warm and lovely and just embraces Kang Hanul's character from the outset. You know, she's the youngest one of the three siblings. And she's always saying, you know, I always wanted to be the Nuna. I always wanted to have a younger sibling to take care of and stuff. And there's a, a really wonderful sequence when... He is supposedly just arrived in Seoul and she like takes him out to show him things and they like eat street food and and doing all these things that are like not what she planned because he has very sort of simple tastes. But they just have a really delightful rapport. Like it's not really, I mean, I don't know whether it's right to say chemistry because it's not really like sparks flying kind of Uh thing. And also like, they're supposed to be cousins. They're supposed to be first cousins. So right. that would be sort of weird if there was a lot of like sexual tension. Uh, but they're just really delightful together. And it's a great role for her as far as so many of the things that I've seen her in. She's like kind of always on edge. Like she's mm-hmm. never, she never really has the opportunity to be fully relaxed because of mm-hmm. what whatever circumstances she's in. And mm-hmm. in Curtain Call, she it just felt like she was very relaxed. Like even with the whole situation with, you know, machinations over control of the hotel or whatever, like she is a person who is secure in her position. She knows who she is. She's a Mm -hmm. grown up woman. Um, And there's a a horrible ex fiance who comes into it, which I'm like, why? Uh, But she's not even like terrible to him and he deserves it. But she's like even nice to him more than he deserves. She's just like a really kind warm person and so it's completely understandable why Kang Hanul's character starts to have feelings for her right away because she's really great mm-hmm. anyway I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything you know she's great at her job she's great to her family the scenes between her and her harmony are super sweet all of the scenes between her and Kang Hanul I really love mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed this drama. I was reading comments that people made about it, and a lot of people complained that, like, nothing happened mm. or that it was too slow. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess I see their point. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is a story about people and about small things. Like, it's not a big, flashy story, Mm -hmm. like, where a lot of dramatic things happen. And I felt like the characters, even the characters who I didn't especially like, you know, whose motivations I didn't agree with necessarily, felt like three-dimensional characters. Like, they Mm -hmm. were well-fleshed out what their motivations were felt real even if you didn't always know right away what their motivations were i thought that the characters were very believable 
um, even in, you know, these sort of heightened situations. And, mm-hmm. you know, Hajiwan and Kang Hanul, I just love mm-hmm. them both so much. And all of the, you know, it's a, just a fantastic supporting cast full mm-hmm. of familiar friends. But if, if sort of a slower pace is going to drive you bananas, then maybe give it a pass. I really loved it. Mm-hmm. I would rewatch it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's not a plot driven show. It's a character driven show. Right. So that's the curtain call of this extremely <laughs> long episode of talking of, oh, uh, except it's not really cause we're not done, no. but, uh, nine, <laughs> no, but nine shows. Nine shows. Wow. Nine that's a, shows. so far a record for us. And yeah. You know, I'm I'm excited to see Curtain Call. It sounds like something right up my alley and Yeah. It actually sounds sort of similar to chocolate in the way that mm. things are it's like really about people. Um yeah. and the main arc might feel like nothing is like happening all the time, but it it is also tempered by the mini stories in it so it yes. has that but it seems quite similar to that and in tone anyway which mm-hmm. you know is something that i really enjoy and you know i mean i think almost everything that we've um seen or talked about today her characters has been sort of like that like a very like kind and um mm. loving to others and you know some of them are a little bit like too self-deprecating maybe like you know yeah um when you're doing that kind of like she's the poor person in a chable story like in what happened Mm -hmm. in bali and also like secret garden even Mm -hmm. where it can be like a little frustrating to see her you know not be able to like speak up for herself or like do things because right ever but yeah her characters are in general i feel like are these kind of like really kind-hearted kind of person yeah. Yeah, it's nice yeah nice to see that well and it was nice in curtain call to see her have some power yeah for once mm-hmm. you know because she she has played so many of these ones where she's like in a in a position where she doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have all the power or very much power so I enjoyed that a lot so what were your favorite scenes of all of the nine (laughs) shows we've talked about what were your favorite Ajiwan scenes I mean gosh it's even harder when you have more like this But, but one scene that I keep thinking about is from Chocolate and I don't know if I can really say this is like my favorite scene of hers or or what, but it's a very mm-hmm. like sweet kind of swoony scene. So mm-hmm. so Hajiwan's character volunteered to drive Yun Kaesang to um, a place that is like six hours away, but he had been drinking uh-huh. and he got his phone call and he had to go to a funeral. And he's like, if I don't go now, I'm going to miss it. And there's like no buses or whatever. Uh-huh. So she immediately was like, I'll drive you. I'm fine. Right. Wow. I'll drive you. So she drove him yeah. six hours away to this funeral. But in her haste, forgot everything. So she doesn't have her wallet. She doesn't have her phone. Oh, no. She's just. Yeah. And so 
she was like, okay, I guess I'll just wait here for him. And yeah, so she goes to this, there's like this pebbled sort of beach a little bit where Mm -hmm. there's a bench. Um, I don't know if it's like a sea or a lake or maybe just a river, Um, but there's, you know, there's somewhere to sit. So she sits in this bench and she's been driving for six hours, so she's exhausted. So she falls asleep. Yeah. And mm. Yoon Kye-sang finds her and he puts his jacket around her and he's mm. like sort of like had to like kneel down to do it, you know. So he's kneeling on this pebbled beach and her head just like falls on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I guess I live here now. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, so he's just like sitting there like that. And time passes and she wakes up and she's like, what? <laughs> like, she's immediately mortified at what happened because she sees, like, the position. Right, right. And then she's like, how long mm-hmm. have I been asleep? Right. And right. he's like, four hours? <gasps> four hours. He just four hours. knelt on that, on pebbles, okay? I mean, they're big pebbles. Oh they're not gosh. tiny pebbles, but right? he had to, like, Basically, kneel with her head on his shoulder and not move for four hours. I mean, swoon, swoon. Right. Just, oh, it was just so beautiful, but also funny when she like woke up and just immediately jumped up and like ran away and was right, just right. like, what? <laughs> what happened? And he's just like um, smiling and just kind of like, no big deal. <laughs> you were tired. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so lovely. Anyway, I just really love that little scene. How about you? What is your favorite? Oh, that really makes me want to watch Chocolate even more. Um, I had a really hard time picking, but I I came up with two two scenes from King Two Hearts that I remember and really love, and they're just real little scenes. But uh, when Hanga uh first arrives in Seoul when she's coming down for the officer competition th- training thing she's on the bus with all of her uh North Korean military colleagues and she's like looking out at all the billboards and she's all uh you know I said she has like no dating experience or anything like that and she's all swoony over all the like Hallyu stars on the, all the billboards <laughs> So there's uh like there's a, a billboard for uh Joe and Sung. Uh-huh. She's like, Oh, maybe I'll get to you know, maybe I'll get to meet him. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> which right that one I didn't get mm. at the time that I watched it, but I did like the last one, there's like a sequence of them and the last one that she's like literally like pushing her face up against the glass <laughs> of the window is Hyun Bin. And she's like, oh, Hyun bin <laughs> And that one I got, even though I hadn't watched Secret Garden yet, but I knew about Secret Garden and had been her previous thing that she'd done right before King Two Hearts. And I was like, hilarious. Hand hearts. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it just makes me laugh. So I love a reference like that. Yeah. So, and yeah. she's just... I loved the contrast in her character in that show so much. I think I was so like, 
I got so carried away talking about the plot that I didn't talk about, like how her character is such a badass, but uh-huh. then also such a softy and really like wants the romance and wants the whole thing. And, uh, you know, she's so cute at moments like that when she's all like, can't be me. <laughs> uh, so that was hilarious. And then later on in the drama, there's a scene where, okay, so this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it comes up pretty early on in the drama that it's put forward that maybe to help facilitate North-South relations that she should marry the prince huh. who is Sungi, that he, you know, they uh-huh. want to get him married to a woman from North Korea uh-huh. and... So she's one of the people who's the options. And so stuff happens, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they end up getting engaged. But um, Ms. Yoon, who is the Dowager Queen, is not excited about it. She does not, Uh. you know, she does not really approve because Hong Ah, you know, always is saying things with a North Korean accent, which she doesn't. You know, Ms. Uh, Yoon is not down with that. And uh, she just thinks, like, she doesn't understand. Because she's just, like, a regular citizen. She's not from, like, a family of wealth uh-huh. or anything like that. So she doesn't understand anything about their lifestyle. Uh-huh. Anyway, this thing happens that I won't spoil what it is. But she really ends up winning over her future mother-in-law and so the dowager queen takes her into the kitchen and shows her how to make this special dish Uh. of these mud clams this soup with these little tiny clams that is something like from their family like irrespective of their family being the you know the royal family Uh it's just like of their of the Kim family, right? Of their personal family, and this is a dish that their family loves, and that, um, you know, she says none of the none of the cooks in the family could ever, or in the you know in the the palace could ever learn how to make this dish. Um, her daughter in law, the queen, mm-hmm. learned how to make it pretty good, but so Aww. she's gonna teach Hung Ah how to make it, and it's just like a, this really little scene. It's way shorter than just my explanation of it was. Um, But it's really touching because Uh it's like after she's been so opposed to this match, it's like her her reaching out in this really sort of warm and, I don't know, familial Uh way with teaching this recipe that all the family Uh loves to eat. And uh, I just... You know, I thought it was so sweet and really <laughs> touching. And you know that yes. I love some Yejung Yoon, so uh, yeah. So I loved that. I loved that yeah, scene. There are. I'm also excited to see King's Two Heart. I mean, it's been too long. I've put it off too long. I've put it off for years to see it. But yeah, I mean. We won't make people listen to our discussion, but I'm sure that we will have a lot to discuss when you eventually watch it because you heard how much I had to say just on my own about it. Well, now 
<laughs> it's the time in the show when I get to ask Susie anything. But don't be worried, Suze. This is, uh, I feel like this is the second time that this has happened that I already had a plan for what I was going to ask you for this segment. <gasps> and then during our discussion, you said something that was like, referencing what I already had in mind to ask you. So here was already what I was going to ask you uh-huh. because as we all heard at length, my reaction to King Two Hearts when sometimes you just love something, but you can't entirely articulate what it is that you love about it. And there are so many reasons why you should not love it, uh-huh. but, and yet you, the heart wants what it wants. Uh-huh. And you said, you know, there are shows like that for you. So what's a show like that for you that's like so bonkers? Uh-huh. It doesn't even make sense why you should love it, but you really love it uh-huh. nevertheless. Okay. I'm, I mean, one thing that comes to mind a little bit is Strong Woman. Just because, I mean, we know why we love it. Mm. Because the romance is real swoony. Right. But how bonkers yeah. is that other place? It's just like, what? Yeah. what is this? And just like... Half of it could have been cut, really. Just oh, so much. Mm. I mean, I want to say that I used to have like a real weakness for things like something happened in Bali or what happened in Bali. Because that was sort of like the main mm. genre of the time. And that was like almost every popular right. Right. K-drama at the time was of that ilk. The thing is, it's like objectively you know at the time it was like the only thing you were being fed so you don't have like a real comparison whereas in now you're like Mm. oh right like it can be different like it doesn't have to be that way you know but you know at the time something like i'm sorry i love you you know it's very similar in tone to what happened in bali and i mean loving a tragedy (laughs) I guess just loving Mm -hmm. like the sadness and like Mm -hmm. the struggle Mm -hmm. that people go through because I feel like that's like all it is a lot of time is just people like Mm. struggling so hard to like be together to get a job to break out of whatever you know Mm -hmm. I'm just like more discerning now (laughs) I guess you know yeah sure Mm. yeah I don't know um more than just like a show, I feel like it's like themes. I can maybe point out themes that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm always big on romance. So when there's a romantic component, I feel like yeah. I can forgive a lot of things in the name of love, as it were, you know, which now I'm like, oh, mm. don't gotcha. do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you should not do that. Like, you can't, right. you know. I mean, I have like a lower tolerance now to terrible rich people but like back then it was like the norm and so all they were were terrible rich people Mm. (laughs) stories and so you just kind of like get swept into it and accept it as the norm sure yeah i feel like a lot of things back in the early aughts i should not have liked (laughs) but that was 20 years ago but you know you know i mean that's a lot mm-hmm. has changed in the meantime, thankfully. Yeah. I mean, I still like to sometimes, I guess they call it 
hate watching something that's like real mm. soapy. You know, I still enjoy yeah, yeah. that. I find that amusing rather than annoying sometimes. Like if you know right. what it is yeah. and you're going into it knowing it what it is, like that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, I still sometimes, sometimes I miss that like epicness of a show, mm. you know, mm-hmm. that's like real dramatic kind of thing. Yeah. Even though these days I do prefer like quieter shows that have no villains and it's just mm-hmm. about, you know, people's like slice of life stuff, you know. Yeah. But sometimes I do miss that kind of like real dramatic aspect of a show. Um, yeah, where you're just like everything is sort of like hyped up to 10 and mm-hmm. um, now you can see it's ridiculous but back then when you're into it it's just like wow sure. <laughs> yeah so yeah sorry I don't have like a concrete just like this show or whatever but yeah, sometimes sense, though. You know, I mean, sometimes you just can't really tell like why something is so like compelling to you or speaks mm. to you necessarily yeah and i feel like that's okay just own it Mm -hmm. you like what you like and know when it's problematic even if you like it right (laughs) absolutely well i am very proud that we made it through oh my nine nine shows yes Uh, and i think that this is still (laughs) shorter than how long we talked about park so june oh my god Thank you, everybody, who have persevered this far with my congested sound twice in two months. So sorry about that. But what yeah, can we do? Yeah, she hasn't been sick the whole whole time. <laughs> I mean, as far as, like, the episodes coming out, they mm-hmm. won't be adjacent. Yeah. So <laughs> just seems like you're sick again. Right. But I hope you get well soon. Thank soon, you. Soon. Me too. Me too. It's not fun. Oh. Not fun at all. But. No, but this has been super fun. Yes, despite mm-hmm. your being sick, it's always fun to do this. And uh, yeah, we hope that you out there listening had fun as well. Uh, come find us and tell us, you know, what you thought about Haji Wan. Is there anybody out there who's seen King Two Hearts who can explain to me why I love it so much? <laughs> Please. Please come talk to me. Uh, where can they Where can they find us, Suze? You can find us on Instagram at Anise on Opa's Pod, and yeah, tell us what you love about her. Tell me if you don't like her. I okay. What? I don't understand that, but do you know? Please chat. We have questions. <laughs> Which shows right? do you love? Which shows you didn't love? You know. What other shows that we didn't talk about that you've seen that you think we should check out as well? Um, yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Talk to us. Her catalog is extensive. Extensive. You know, we love to chat, so hit us up on the gram. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as always, if there's some OPA that we have not been talking about in all our discussions, please alert us to the presence of this new opa because (laughs) our hearts are full of opas but they're not so full that there's not room for one more Uh you know because to quote 
the inimitable Kim Sun Young in Reply 1988. Yes. Yes. The handsome ones are all called Opa. And that's what we call them here on our podcast. So come back next time for us to call some more handsome Opas Opa. Opa, Opa, Opa. <laughs> Opa Infinity. Opa <laughs> <laughs> Infinity. Annyeong. Annyeong.